0: Well, this question I'm about to ask you has has some of the most, uh, like different answers that I've gotten. Okay, so how was the ride home?
1: Um, it was perfectly fine. <laughs> like I had my cool down period after we had finished handing out the protest packs because you have to walk from. There to another place, so instead of just because we we got an uber there and you're can't they have everything blocked off, even probably now everything's blocked off you pretty much can't drive within like a mile or two of the white House I don't know if it's still like that, but last month it one hundred percent was so our mm-hmm. uber driver didn't get us that close we had to walk so you have to walk back and instead of walking all the way back we um went to we walked well we were close to DuPont so we walked to um a restaurant at DuPont to pick up some food and so like my wind down time was a lot I think during that time I was like pretty relaxed so once we got the food and stuff by the time we did get in the uber like I had already calmed myself down like when I say calm myself down I mean when you're like when you have anxiety and I'm again like it's just claustrophobia so that's how it produces itself so like it's like a cool down period. Like you, you, you don't just like get out of that environment that you were in and you're okay. Like it takes some time for your body to like actually release like and say, okay, you're fine. Like everything's fine. So that time where we were walking and we were all talking and that like made me feel better. I think if I was by myself, it would have been way worse. Like I wouldn't have, I don't think I would have been able to calm down and talk about normal stuff well, we we had calmed down i had calmed down they were fine <laughs> but i was like okay cool Like i feel okay like i'm fine but i was nervous about walking around because there were a lot of police officers riding around by the way when i was at at the protest i didn't see any police officers i only saw national guard and when i tell you they didn't seem to be doing much of anything they were all just standing around like talking to each other it's really seemed like this was like they were you could take them put them in normal clothes and put them at a park and it would look completely normal like they just didn't anything at all anything they weren't even looking at us they did not even look at us so i was like okay like i thought i thought they would be a lot more involved
0: or like they didn't so like you, you didn't you didn't see them get 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 angry angry or aggressive or anything
1: the protest that I was at, the National Guard was mostly just blocking off certain areas, so they didn't really come in heavy contact with protesters. Wow. So, I mean, again, I went a week later, so
0: everybody... No, no, it's was, fine. I mean, I'm, I'm just asking. Valid. But yeah, this, 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 this is like the first said, time I'm hearing about a D.C. protest where they didn't get feisty, so I'm just asking.
1: I was there in the afternoon while the lights were on, so hey, I didn't... <laughs> See what goes on at night, but I've seen videos of that stuff, and I'm sure everything they're saying is like not only true but valid. And the National Guard, from what I've heard from a lot of people, some of them just literally do not seem to care and don't want to be there, which doesn't diminish their participation because even if you don't want to be there, you're still there. But um, and I know you're under contract, but that was also a decision that you made, knowing what you might have to do, which. This doesn't seem far off from something National Guard would do. We're really not that surprised. So that's just my point there. But again, like, a lot of them didn't seem like they wanted to be there, didn't seem like they cared. So I was just like, okay. Like, But there again, when we were walking around, there were, like, there were a lot of police officers driving around, and that made me nervous because I was like, they know where we're coming from. Like, even if we don't look like we were protesting Why else would you see, like, three black kids walking around in DuPont, like, right next to where people are protesting? (laughs) Exactly. So, it was, like, I felt like they knew what we were doing, and that made me nervous because I was, like, we're kind of, it's just the three of us. Like, who knows what could happen or what someone could do. And that crossed my mind. But as soon as we got in the Uber, I was, like, okay, cool. Like, just take me home.
0: (laughs) I've been, like, I've been hearing about some, some protesters going missing.
1: Yeah. That was definitely That's- not, I say that was a fear, which is again, I'm not saying walking with people makes you any safer, but it possibly could. I'm not sure. I have heard about protesters not only going missing, but a few of them already died. So mm-hmm. that made me nervous, and uh, I didn't, I mean, like, I don't know what to do to come
0: back um i do i do want to dive in a little bit more with like your claustrophobia later because i feel like you're like really um you're really like passionate about that topic so i do want to touch on it in a no so right. I mean, cause, no, not because i think i think that no, like that's like a word for somebody like somebody who has that like no matter what their race is or their, or their gender or anything like that. Um, somebody might, this, like, they might be a little bit claustrophobic as well, or it might be a lot of bit claustrophobic as well. And they might you know, need you to really t- talk to them and really inspire them because they can be a part of the movement just, just like you are. Yeah. And, but I'm gonna get to that in a second. My next question is, <clears throat> I ask this question to everybody and I asked it the same exact way. I wanna preface it by saying that when I ask this question, I'm not saying that everybody that works for mainstream media news corporations are not white people. I'm saying, I'm just, I'm just asking the question, okay. So has mainstream media and news corporations reported on protests accurately and how so? Yes and no.
1: But that mainly depends on what kind of media that you choose to, you know, um, read and listen to. I would say most of the media that I have seen that has kind of been reporting somewhat accurately have been a lot of lower level news sources that don't get a lot of attention as it is. Like local. Yes, but I mean, like, very niche local. And I couldn't even tell you what I've been finding because I don't even know the names of these. And I've mostly been um, looking at D.C., Maryland, Virginia, but also, like, specifically, like, um, D.C., Northwest where I live, and then, like, Richmond, where my friend lives because he reports on what happens in Richmond, and I read the media that he sends me. So that's how I get kind of my news. And I would Mm. say, like, lower-level
0: they don't have
1: anything to lose. They don't have corporations backing them. They don't need to have an, like, an opinion. They just need to say, this is literally what's happening. Even if, even if you don't agree with Black Lives Matter, you can't go out there and be a non-biased news source with a camera and not videotape exactly what you see happening and say, yeah, we just saw people get pepper sprayed, get tear gas. You know, you can't. That's, that's what's happening these people that aren't doing anything like that is for me, what kind of helps me determine, okay, who's telling the truth? Because how are these two media sources that were in the same place saying two different things, or one of them isn't saying something different, but they're not really telling the whole truth. They're not showing the real pictures. That for me is just kind of like, they are clearly, you know, lying <laughs> or fine downplaying what really happened, but I think that that was really apparent during um, the situation where Trump went to the church. I think it was St. John's Church. Um, he walked there, and the pep the uh, sorry <laughs> the police officers um, that were there, in order to move the protest group out of the range of what um, Trump wanted to get on you know video for his little walk, he and I think we all know the story. He pepper sprayed and tear gas. Well, he had the police officers pepper spray and tear gas the protesters in order to move them along and then someone said well if we're going with the literal reason why police officers do have pepper spray and tear gas those are for crowd control and if you have a peaceful crowd explain why you had to do that to them because Donald Trump wanted a photo op and it was like things like that why are some news sources kind of like downplaying what happened there versus some of them were like yeah they were pepper sprayed and then donald trump walked out because he wanted a photo op and then some of them were like hmm, you know donald trump wanted a photo op and you know i think there were some protesters there but yeah like it just didn't seem like i don't know it just seemed like a lie to me right or something not even a lie but something to make people feel better that read about it so they don't have to be like oh my god those poor protesters like it, you don't want to humanize them so if you you know listen to media that doesn't humanize them, then it makes you feel better, in my opinion.
0: Mm. That's a bar, uh, rapper Bria. Um, now I do I do want to ask uh, a couple more questions. I don't I don't want to take up all your time. I know you're like really busy. You know what I'm saying. Um, so, and, and like by the way, like I'm like a I'm, I mean I don't know if I'm a. I mean, I'm agreeing with you, but like I think that like you're saying a lot of a lot of potent potent uh points. And I feel like I can't really add a lot to them. So now you so what okay, I'm I'm about to preface this by saying that systemic racism, I don't see what systemic racism going anywhere while I'm alive, okay? But I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask this question in terms of like the long term after I'm dead. So like, kind of like, kind of like the work that needs to be done now for the future. So my question is, what can we do to end systemic racism in our society?
1: Now I wrote down part of this answer for a reason. And it's because I think it's literally the only thing, in my opinion, that we can do to combat systemic racism. And it's that we have to continue to fight for those that are more oppressed than us. If everybody takes the time to find the most oppressed person in their community or the most oppressed group in their community and does everything that they can to remove that oppression from that person, then none of us will be oppressed. Nobody can be oppressed if we're all doing that. And when I say that, I'm talking about very specific things. I'm talking about my. I'm talking about transphobia, um, homophobia, ableism, and colorism. Those are the most important things um, to me, because if and those are, are all
0: derivatives of racism, by the way.
1: Very much so. Every single one of them is derived from white supremacy, and if we think about it anything that we're doing to save our personal selves from being oppressed is not going to help because I'm, as you can see, a light-skinned black woman who doesn't experience the same oppression as a dark-skinned black woman. If I'm not willing to take the time to admit that and protect darker-skinned black women and going out of my way to do that and admit that it's something that goes on, then I'm not fighting for, you know, to keep them from being oppressed. I'm not doing anything to help them. I'm just doing something for myself. And that's where everyone's going wrong here is that we're like, we're fighting for black people. No, we're fighting for the most oppressed group of black people that exist. And then we can all be free because you can't, it's not fighting the system. The system hurts the smallest groups. The system hurts black um Black people that experience um, transphobia. Black women that experience colorism. The system hurts those people far more than they hurt me. I'm not, I'm a straight, cis, white-skinned, black woman who doesn't experience any form of ableism. So me fighting for me is not me fighting for justice. It's me fighting for me. Mm-hmm. And these Ooh. groups, I mean, it's true. These groups that we need to start advocating for more, are so important. And why are they the most important? They're the most important because they do the most work. They do more work than we do. And people get really confused when they hear that they do more work than us. And I'll explain why. They do more work than us because they're more oppressed than us. They have to go through more in order to release their oppression than we do. So they have to work harder. So if Black trans women are working harder than me, then I'm not doing enough. That's the rule. Like, that's the rule that if every person on the planet thought like that, thought that saving people in these groups that are the least protected, if we thought that saving those people would help us end forms of oppression, then they would have ended so long ago. But because there are people that are cis, that are light-skinned Black women, that don't see... that. that are able-bodied, we'll say that too, that don't see that what is happening to these groups as forms of oppression. They don't see that as forms of oppression. And if you can't see that as forms of oppression, how can you expect somebody to believe everything that you're saying about getting oppressed? You're not even willing to listen to groups that experience it on a way more serious level than you and I say that not to diminish myself as a light-skinned black woman that has experienced racism it's not diminishing me it's pointing the light to someone that needs it more than I do and that's what needs to be done that's the only work that I think needs to be done so any black person out there that you know is homophobic or transphobic or doesn't think that these people should exist and dehumanizes them is really just dehumanizing yourself because the oppressor really doesn't see us as any different, you know, in a way. But again, intersectionalism, very important right now. And
0: oh, yeah, intersectionality is 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 a, cl- a key element right now. I think mainly because, well, I don't think I know that it, it, is, it, is, it is very important because I have been extremely critical of, well first of all I'll, let me say that I that I, I am I'm I am, I'm Christian and I'm Baptist. Let me just say that. However, I've been extremely critical of the Southern Christian Baptist theology movement because they have been for years until this day, they have lacked women's leadership and they have pushed out the LGBTQIA plus community for decades. And so, my, so, like the thing about the, I don't wanna just limit it to, to like the Black Lives Matter movement because I think that we're acting for more than just our lives just mattering, but like the movement that's like going on right now, I think that, it is different than any other movement in America because the movement is 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 headed by individuals that believe that all Black lives matter, not just heterosexual Black lives right. matter, not just Christian Black lives matter. It is all all people that are. I have to
1: go to the bathroom really
0: badly. I'm gonna go to the bathroom. Okay. If you don't. Sorry. Okay. I'll right back. ever did that, so this this, this gonna stay in. Uh, anybody ever just used the restroom right in the middle of the thing? Wow. Okay. Um. If I have a sponsorship, I'll put it in right now. But yeah. So um, I'm just waiting for her to come back. I never had somebody to just just use the bathroom. Right in the middle. She said, hey, oh, that's cute, but I gotta pee. That's crazy. She better better wash her hands, too. If her hands come back wet, Do y'all say bathroom or restroom? Which one do y'all say? Y'all say restroom? Okay,
1: I'm really sorry about that. I was drinking...
0: um, What, coffee?
1: No, I was drinking uh, cranberry ginger ale.
0: I've never had somebody just use the restroom right in the middle. Of You know what I'm saying? So, my bad. All that's oh cu- like all that's cute, but listen, I used rest.
1: I really had to, like,
0: you okay. went used the restroom. Did you wash your hands?
1: What? It's COVID, like,
0: My hands it's are It's COVID, but hey, so I be like, well, I ain't going outside, so why should I wash my hands?
1: I have definitely heard people say that, or say they don't have to wash their hands for twenty seconds because they're not because they're in the house and they haven't left. I was just like. If you make it a habit, then how do you even think like that?
0: (laughs) I don't understand it. But anyway, uh, and that just threw me all the way off. Uh, I'm sorry. Hey, you were talking about the leadership. The restroom, huh?
1: You were talking about um the Black Lives Matter leadership right now,
0: and how? Oh my god! So like, like that's like that's the reason why like the movement right now is so important is because we are saying not just you know we have women in positions of power that are advocating for all black lives we have people who are not heterosexual that are in positions of power in this movement that are advocating for all black lives and so um i think that that is well i don't think that historically that that has been different than any other movement for civil or human rights for black people in the history of this country and so that's, that's extremely important there's even people that are still living right now that are older that still don't even believe that women should have leadership roles that women should have their own you know their own period and so literally like that is very very new it's a very um it, 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 it is a wonderful step toward progress in our society but particularly in the progress of fighting for equity for black people right. and and for our mental stability for our ownership for our legacy now uh, my next question is what keeps you hopeful that our descendants will live in a better world
1: what keeps me hopeful is the change that I'm seeing within our own generation. Um, the older I get, the m- I don't want to say the more accepting people are, but it seems like people are not willing to take no for an answer. We're not willing to be accepting of the things that our parents taught us just because that's what they taught us. You know we're willing to question things, to learn more, and I'm not speaking for everyone because I'm sure there's plenty of people who aren't willing to do that, but I think that us being the starting point, um, we're undoing a lot of the things, a lot of the generational things that have come up within our parents, like the things that don't protect, you know, these protected groups we were just talking about, um, these groups that deserve the most protection our generation is saying, no, listen, they actually do, because we should be protecting LGBTQ, we should be protecting dark-skinned Black women, we should be protecting people that experience ableism, like, those are the people that we should be surrounding ourselves around, and I don't think everyone in our generation is on board yet, but I'm saying we're taking this a lot more seriously than I think some of um, some older people are willing to go. A lot of them, I don't want to say think but a lot of them are willing to just pretend that racism is over because Martin Luther King showed up and died they really think that like that was the end of what we needed to be done and I don't think that that's fair and I hope that if I ever do have kids one day that I'll teach them that what I did isn't the end either and it's not enough what I did wasn't enough like you have to do more and you have to teach your kids to do more too like I think that our generation is very different, especially because we have the internet and things like that. My mom had no idea what was going on during these protests, and so I started sending her videos of what was really happening. My mom was talking down on looting, and I explained to her the purpose of looting, the meaning behind looting. Looting is literal, but it's also very, very symbolic. And I had to explain those things to her because she was listening to the media vilify these groups. And she was like, well, I don't agree with black lives matter if that's what they're doing. And I'm like, no, this is what they want you to do. They want you to turn your back on our generation because we're doing something different. They don't want to talk about what we're doing because it would, in my opinion, it scares people in power. Our generation really scares them. Even us questioning, like, for instance, again, You don't have to like politics, but our generation is questioning Democrats because we're starting to kind of realize if this is systemic, like we're saying it is, then that means that they're a part of the system too, and they stand to benefit from white supremacy too. So we have to talk about that. My parents, they're not willing to talk about it. My mom doesn't want to talk about, and I love my mom, (laughs) but she doesn't want to talk about Joe Biden a lot because we're in that stage where people are like, well, he's the only candidate. Like, yes, he's the only candidate that maybe if you're a Democrat, you can vote for in this situation. Yes, but when he's in power, we have to do our job. We have to question it. We have to say, what he's doing is wrong. We're not gonna sit by and agree with it just because he's a Democrat and he's on the liberal side. No, that doesn't mean that his views align with ours and that can still make him a very dangerous person. I think, again, with our changing generation, we're starting to question the government in a way that no
0: one else has. And that's and needed. Like, like that, that education. When somebody had, I, I always, I, I, don't, I don't, I don't really care about how many degrees somebody has. If a person can ask good questions, that requires a lot of critical thinking. That requires a lot of good education. And not yeah. just formal education, but just, you know, informal education as well. And so I firmly believe that when you get more formal and informal education, then you ask better questions and you critique a lot more. You critique a lot more because you because you have a better understanding of society, of the world, of your, of your particular uh, field. So would you credit our generation
1: and our shift to education? Is that what you would say? to us
0: learning more and being more willing to be educated? Oh, so, oh yeah, so like, I don't know if you know, but like my my main thing is what's more important to me than any other aspect of society is education. Arthur believes that like the most important aspect of society is education, and, and particularly grade school education. What you learn yeah. in grade school really sets the trajectory for the rest of your life, basically. Like for most Americans, for for like the vast majority of Americans. And so I firmly believe that how I learned about European history is very important. How I learned about math is very important. How I learned about health and sciences and services, and health services, very important. the the mental health services that my school had is very important the activity (laughs) i remember having with with my professors are very important like like me learning about business in school financial literacy that's extremely important from like oh yeah so like when i say grade school i'm talking about like k through 12. okay so yeah k through 12 education is really the matter of fact most most people in america only have grade school education so
1: and like, if you think about it, those in general are foundational because that's when we're developing the most, and that's when. Oh we're yeah, of
0: course. Yeah, right. like you, you know, know so like, you know, like Dr. Er- Erickson, the 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 the, uh, the stages of human development. Most of our stages of human development come from those those, those ages. You know what I'm saying? And that's critical too, if you think about it it's purposeful that we're
1: not taught certain things at that age. It's purposeful that people don't want to teach their kids about racism at those ages because, you know, then you'll know it, you know, and then it's not something you can pretend doesn't happen, which is why right. like, learning racism happens
0: at such a young age too. And like, and like, that's what, like, that's what kind of keeps me hopeful. I I kind of wanted it to, well, yes. Yeah, so like that's what kind of keeps me hopeful is that literally like One thing that really keeps me hopeful is that I know that there are individuals right now that are being raised under this administration, under this time period, and they know that they have an obligation to teach their children at home when they have children, the truth about racism, about white supremacy, of injustice, of, yo, I was was living, so I feel like the the children that were going up under Ronald Reagan, like when like they had children, they should have been more, you know, on top of it to me. You know what I'm saying? But I, but I feel like our generation now are gonna be real on top of it because Donald Trump has been very blatant in his white supremacy. He's been very blatant in like what he believes and what he stands for. Even like the Ku Klux Klan has been has been very blatant on them of the, of, of them supporting him. And like not just Donald Trump, but just other like just just the systematic things the, the systemic things that have to have been that have been exposed to the forefront through our education, through our conversations
1: right.
0: um, and 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 I think that that is going to be one of the most beautiful things that 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 is birthed out of our generation is that. Well, I don't know about generation, but our our, like this like time period, like Generation Z and the and the millennials. Is that we we are we have this understanding of humanity, understanding of of morality and humanity that's that's different than any other time period in, in in America. Like we just even us talking about like accepting transgender people as just people like we didn't say that blatantly but like we had just talked about it as if they're just regular people and that's that alone is different than literally a generation ago like people that are, that are born in like in like the 60s right. like people that are born in like in like the 60s and 70s they they do not say stuff like that like they'd be like uh yeah i mean maybe like are you sure? No, yeah, you're right. And the what are running our country too. Like how old are the people who are running our country right now? Well, you know, Joe Biden's what, like 70 or something like that. And you know, Donald is older like than 75 70. 75, maybe. I don't know. But they're, they're like they're like in the 70s, right? Yeah. They're like in the 70s. And like my thing is, but like imagine like 50 years from now, where we have people that that are that were that are that were 20 now and they're gonna be 70 then you know what i'm saying so like that's why i'm excited because i feel like uh we have a better chance to have more people that are in it for progress and not for conservatism
1: and even then we ourselves have to be vigilant of that because 50 years from now nobody our age should be in power because At that point, we'll have lived our lives and tried to, or at least that's the thought behind it, is that we're supposed to have, like, at these ages, I would personally say from, like, 20 to, like, 50 or 60 is, like, your prime time to, like, I don't know, get the things done that you want to do and want to see change within society, but at 70, if we're 70 and we're in power, then we've done something wrong because we should be allowing the next generation during their prime time to get the things done that they say need to be done, and then so on and so forth. So, personally, mm. we should really be, like, if we're questioning the people that are in power right now, because- so, of like,
0: age, so, like, 25 years from now?
1: Yeah, 25 years from now. I think, like I said, 50, maybe, yeah, fine. 50
0: but is, like, stretching it.
1: We bragged about our youngest president being, like, you know, like, in his late 40s is like really weird to me. It's just like, why are we bra- not saying that we shouldn't be happy that someone that age became president? I believe it was John F. Kennedy. But my point is, is that Kennedy
0: was great, man. That man.
1: We can't celebrate too much. We need to like remain in focus and remember what the people that uh. in power right now are doing wrong. And one of the biggest things that they're doing wrong is running for president at 70 years old when nothing is going to affect them at that point. Nothing that they do that's going to last over time is going to have any effect over them, but we're allowing them to make decisions for people like us. That should be something that we're like, questioning and then once we get 70 we should be like okay we need to stop we need to hop off this totem pole and let the people that are younger that see see something wrong in their own generation take power and do what they need to do to correct it
0: I think that part of that so I'm pushing back a little bit but I think that part of that is because of people's um just the resume, man. Like, the resume
1: yeah.
0: of of like, the nominees were substantial, and like they they needed years to build up those resumes. You know what I'm saying? Now, not Donald, but people like. I,
1: I partially think, agree.
0: I mean, even 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 with like John McCain, you know what I'm saying? I John
1: think about was, it like
0: this: was was
1: if it takes that long for you to be able to build a resume that that's that's a part of us But thinking,
0: it's like it's for like the president of the united states of america like
1: oh, hold on. it's about who we deem is worthy of that kind of power right correct in a way like that's who we deem worthy of that kind of power we're mm-hmm. making our resumes so long that they have to be 70 in order to get there i don't want a 70 year old making laws about my body about what i should be doing with my time about how much i should get paid okay they've already reached that point in their life not saying that the resumes don't matter but i'm saying like we should question at what point should like what length or what what amount what things should be on a resume that could be there and if we're we're not even allowing people our age to have any kind of power like we're we're celebrating young
0: and things like that right now so like here's, like so like like look here's here here's the thing I totally agree with you I'm just I'm just asking that question because that's a question that I ask myself um I love you, you, you I love like, come a- go ahead you go ahead oh uh, I was gonna I, I, was, I was gonna say that like I love AOC like Alexandria Acosta Cortez I love her she is a representative in New York for the this, for this 14th congressional district. And she is awesome. She, she, she supports the right bills. She has the best perspective on a lot of these issues. She's very well-educated, very well-developed. She went to Boston University. She has uh you know, she's like multilingual, like she's, she's, she's like awesome person, okay? And she's and she and she's a scholar, and she's just down to earth. Like, so she's kind of like Elizabeth Warren, but like not as catty, you know what I'm saying? Kind of like that. <laughs> so like that's yeah. basically like how she is. Now she's 30 right now. Like in, in in 2020, she's 30 years old. Yeah. In five years, she'll be eligible to run for the president of the United States of America. Yeah. So I think that she would, oh, yeah, and she's like a Democrat, just to throw that in. Now, she, I think that she would be a very good person to run for office, like, very young. You know what I'm saying? However, I don't, a lot of people would understand that because, uh, because her resume, like, like, like the length, just like, 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 like let's not consider just like the quality of it. A lot of people don't really value the quality over the quantity. Some people just see a lot of things like somebody did, or like a whole bunch of years, like somebody being in like a, a, a specific. But that drives home my point even further. Right. That that's what I'm saying. Like 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 I like, I, yeah. I I'm, yeah. So like I'm a, I'm like agreeing with you. Like saying that literally, a lot of people are not seeing okay. We have to look at the quality of what these candidates have done. And like a lot of these young people's quality, um, um I'm sorry, the things that had that, that they have been doing on a qualitative standpoint and not on a quantitative standpoint have been necessary. For, oh, <laughs> right, right. Like, like, like they have done things that 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 qualify them to run for for the president of the United States. And They've proven themselves the point, you know, because hey, we 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 had chose 35 years old for a reason, you know what I'm saying? You know, like maturity and all that, you know, having a good, you know what I'm saying? So they have proven themselves they're eligible. So I feel like people like AOC or even like, you know, uh Iana, Iana Presley, you know what I'm saying? Uh who who's who's the lady in um Georgia? Uh like 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 the heavy set lady, I can't remember her name.
1: She Yeah, out- I know you're
0: talking no. about. Yeah, uh, uh, I forgot her name. Damn, I, I feel bad but anyway. Yeah, so there are plenty of people who can. I mean, I even, I even like, um, oh, what's it? I can't remember people's names right now. That bathroom, that bathroom break threw me off. <laughs> that bathroom break. like, I was in like the mode, and then you were like, yeah, psych, and then you just. Um, What's his name? I can't remember. But anyway, there are people that are in positions of power right now on like a, you know, on like a district level and like a state level, governors even. I mean, hey, Governor New York.
1: He doesn't get too many claps. <laughs> yeah. But this is what, this is actually something that my boyfriend said that I have to agree with, is that we have to be careful about giving out hand claps to,
0: you know, People like, like, blah 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 blah. Kumo is 62. You see what I'm saying? But I'm saying, I'm saying that, like, well, Kumo, Kumo's 62. However, like, I'm saying that literally, like, well, I'm gonna to him because Kumo has been one of the best governors during the, during the pandemic, particularly. I'm not talking about the yeah. pandemic. During the pandemic, Kumo has been one of the best. It's kind of like with Governor Larry Hogan. I do not like Governor Larry Hogan because of how he underfunds Baltimore City public schools that are that are full of black children. So I don't like I don't like Governor Hogan for that, and I don't like Governor Hogan for, for, for how for how he underfunds Title I schools in general, particularly in Prince George County. So He's like, I don't like him for that. And like, I'm, I'm highly critical of how he allocates funds or uh, uh, state funds to, to these places. Matter of fact, I just, I had just posted an interview with Chinedu, uh, Chenedo who is, um, bachelor's and master's degree from um, Morgan State University. And he's one of the, um, he's one of like the voices for the HBCU lawsuit how like this, like the, the four HBCUs in Maryland are suing yeah. Maryland because because not only did they steal the land of, of of Morgan State University, but they also they also um have been underfunding these HBCUs. So anyway, yep. I don't like Hogan like as far as like like those things. But during the pandemic, Governor Hogan has been one of the best governors in america like
1: in the beginning i think he was but then when we started when people started to get antsy about not being out i think that he i think that he like like he gave was, in yeah
0: uh, i think he, like, i do agree with you i would say and i have at the said, beginning he was on it he was like hey shut up. shut up and i was like, like okay he was trying
1: to enforce certain things but then there's also things that like why did virginia make a mask requirement and dc has always had a mask requirement basically this whole time but maryland still doesn't have a mask required
0: no, I'm, no, I'm are like, you sure because like well sure did, did, did we a didn't we have one didn't we have one and then it was and then and then he had took it off
1: I don't even think there ever was one that might've happened, but if he took it, if there was one and he took it off, that must've happened pretty fast. Uh, not saying like, not saying like, okay, we're getting onto COVID stuff, but like that's a completely different thing. But like, I do agree that he did well with COVID, but when this stuff started happening, I was not pleased with him. And you're right. He does underfund, um,
0: yeah he like well actually no, no on on April eighteenth Maryland Governor Larry Hogan announced that everyone has to have a face covering. It was a requirement it's still a requirement I don't know if it's still a requirement, but I know that it was okay. Sorry. huh I said, okay, you got that but no, I mean, hey, but you might be right in terms of like it being short lived because I'm not sure. I don't
1: know. All I know is I didn't think that they had one, but I know Virginia didn't have one, and they came out and were like, "Just kidding, masks are required." And DC has had one pretty much like this whole
0: time. My thinking like, that's it's, it's funny to see people with like a with like a mask on, but it's only covering their mouth.
1: <sighs> that's so. Opinions about things that how people have been handling things, but that's another topic. But
0: people, that's like a whole nother pod Like, I feel like I should have a <laughs> podcast and like a silly yeah, one I
1: want to really talk about happened. silly stuff. Because, listen, like, uh, hold on. we need to talk about how, like, years from now, when some of us have kids, we're going to be like, yeah, people had to wear masks to save their lives and they, they protested to not do that. <laughs> like, I, it feels like we're living. I'm like an episode of Black Mirror. Like,
0: she <laughs> said like, Black Mirror. Do oh to save people's
1: <laughs> and they're like, "No, I don't understand that. I just really don't." It's not even about access anymore. CVS is even selling masks.
0: Not CVS.
1: Mm-hmm. they're pretty cheap too, but I mean, they do the job, you know. Or you could cut up a T-shirt. My mom. I guarantee
0: crazy. you. I guarantee you that CVS is. Are going to be overpriced. Like CVS. Of oh, course. The only reason I
1: see that is there's one right by my house. So,
0: yeah. CVS, <laughs> if you're listening to this, y'all overprice napkins. Y'all overprice everything.
1: Uh, okay. But
0: they do. Uh, I did, I did want to ask you you had talked about the symbolization of looting, which is important to me. I, I, I thought it was really important. Can you kind of talk a little bit more about that? Like, what what is the symbolism of looting?
1: The symbolism of looting, and again, this is just what I've learned from reading and educating myself. um, More education. Is people taking back what they feel they are rightfully owed in some way. And I wanted to note something that I feel like a lot of people weren't noting. But when I saw videos of people looting the target, I had never in my life had a mental discussion with myself about looting. Like I was like, I guess now we're going to talk about it. Like I guess now I'm going to talk about it in my head. Like what does this mean? And instead of forming my own like random uneducated opinion about it, I listened to black creators specifically on like Instagram talk about it people who know what they're talking about, not random people, people who know what they're talking about. And they were like-
0: they Not made, like Nelly.
1: Not like a lot of the celebrities have been-
0: Not like were, Ja Rule.
1: Not like LL Cool J and who else? Jamie Foxx, fine, he's been doing okay, but who else, who made Jamie Fox so have been
0: doing okay. That's my favorite, doing okay.
1: All right, by the way. <laughs> who else, somebody tweeted something completely stupid. Oh yeah, Terry Crews. Ah, God, if you've been on Twitter, Terry Crews, trying to explain black power and how we shouldn't be advocating, I just was just like, sir, please shut up. Like, like, everybody, everybody, like, has been trying to tell him. And he's really tweeting, like, stop black power, like, make sure. I'm like, you are the biggest coon I have ever met in my life. Somebody keeps telling him, like, calling him massive boy and stuff, like he deserves everything people are giving to him. Because I'm embarrassed by everything that he said. Okay, so and- like
0: granted, I I, I do want to say this about Terry Cruz. Terry Cruz, I I did read the time the the Time magazine article about him being, you know, sexually uh mol- you know, molested, all that stuff, you know what I'm saying? And like, you know, I uh
1: black women rallied around him so hard
0: during you know what i'm saying like that that's why i had to read the articles i was like what are y'all doing and like i you know i mean i think that it was sincere you know what i'm saying now when i do not listen to any well i have to listen to him but i don't i i don't internalize anything that that, that, that terry cruz says about black power about black upliftment about black empowerment none of that because it's dangerous i think i think that terry cruz is in it for the money you know what i'm saying he doesn't he's, not, of the he's massive boy anyway. <laughs> i'm dead and so like literally like that's that's just
1: the reason why he's dangerous isn't because black people are listening to him. The reason why it's dangerous is because he's validating racist people's opinions about what's really going to happen once black people get liberated. That's why it's dangerous because white people will take screenshots of his tweets. And send it to each other and be like, "Here, here's somebody who's saying what I've been saying this whole time, and it's blatantly wrong. And because he's a celebrity who has a platform, he's just allowed to say things that are completely detrimental to anything." Have that you seen doing. Django? Of course.
0: So remember, like in well, the the the, the Jamie Foxx Django. Now, have yeah. you have you? Sorry, remember like the part in Django where like they were um they were like wrestling in like the middle of the, the living room. Yes, that's what Terry Crews is to me. <laughs> Terry Crews is literally like somebody gives him money and he tap dances, you know what I'm saying? He he kind of like chucks so- and dives, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, the ends, his mom, what's crazy is his wife is cool, like his wife be on point, it's just that he. I don't think that he's in the right frame of mind when it comes to black. I think it's dangerous. He's been and, I he's been under, and like I, I do want to say that I'm happy that some, some celebrities and some famous people have been getting good education. Some of them have been, um,
1: specifically like Cardi B, B, I
0: would say. huh? Oprah Winfrey and Tyler Perry, like they were on like the. Like Oprah is doing some type of like conversations about this, you know what I'm saying? Like on on like own network. She's not having just regular people on there. She's having experts, like people that have wrote wrote those books that's behind me. <laughs> like I'm gonna say,
1: like, yeah. I really don't want to hear, no offense. I really don't want to hear from Oprah and Tyler
0: Perry. Like I would much no, rather Right, right, right. But like but like, but like, but like I'm saying I'm saying that it's good that people that actually have yeah. historians, sociologists, you know what I'm saying? Psychologists, black people who have been saying this for years, like I'm advocating it for, as a for living, you know. For a living, they, they, they are talking to the Tyler Perry's and to the Oprah's and they're trying to educate them. And I, I think that that, 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 that part is, is wonderful. So I'm but, I'm, but I'm also interested, just like I'm sure you are, I'm interested in the application. Anybody can tell you anything.
1: Education
0: mm-hmm. is what's most,
1: yeah, education is not,
0: is worth it without application. It's not
1: worth a goddamn thing without education.
0: Like, <laughs> Well, this was a, a go. you know what I'm saying? But you just said goddamn. So... I'm sorry. But it's cool. I'm about to just... Yeah. Block it out or something or erase that part. <laughs> I'm gonna, like, talk over me, like, like, I don't know. She said I'm gonna, like,
1: but, yeah, like, I think That's what I've been saying, like, instead of like, like, okay, how do I say this? Instead of me trying to come up with my own opinion about everything that's been going on without being educated, like, of course, it's good to form your own opinions, but you have to form an educated opinion. And when I say educated, you should not be listening to white people educate you on black experiences and black history. Now, I'll I'll give some credit to some white people that have been saying stuff. Oh, my God.
0: But okay,
1: we could say people like Jane Elliott. You know, she educates white people in a way that they need.
0: To. Jane Elliott is one of the, is, is God's creation. She is an angel. Like she. But have you ever seen another white person educated in
1: that way? You know, educate
0: like. And, she, and, she, and she's been doing this since before I was born.
1: Yeah, but there's no one else out there that can be like, oh, this is. A good comparison because white people are not willing. No offense, but here's the direct, the most direct way I'll say it: white people are only willing to learn as much as they're comfortable with. So when
0: she Ooh. starts,
1: when she does what she does.
0: It's wait, she wait, does hold up hold, up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Unpack that. What you mean? <sighs> When we talk about performative
1: activism, when we talk about all the stuff you, I, and other Black people have been posting on our stories um, on Instagram and me tweeting, I I have not stopped tweeting about Black Lives Matter. I'm sure some people are super annoyed about it, but I have not stopped talking about it, and
0: I won't. Annoyed about us caring about our lives?
1: Listen, I'm not going to try to explain that. Like, we all know that there's some people out there that don't want to hear it. That's just... blank period but my point to say that is that white people are reading the things that they're comfortable with reading that don't make them feel like they have to point a finger at themselves, take any look at what they're doing. It's so much easier to be like, well, you know, that white person said the N word that white person did this. And like, I'm just sitting here, you know, I posted two things to my story today. So I've done the minimum I've done what I felt like I needed to do instead of, I've seen so many, and I know I've seen this on Twitter too, so many white people making jokes about like their racist family members. And I know that they're making jokes, and they're all like, "Oh my God, like so and so is so racist, it's so terrible, blah blah blah." Tweets about it. All the white people like the tweet, and I think in my head that racism that your grandparent has that you think is a joke is killing people. Like it's not funny to me. It's not something that I can I can be comfortable with the way that you're comfortable with it, the way that you can make it and morph it into a joke. I can't do that. I read that and I'm like, wow, like that person could kill me or someone I know, someone I don't know one day because they had that ingrained in their mind. And you think it's funny, or like the people who were making jokes about the two way people a few days ago who were holding guns and pointing them at protesters. People have turned that into a meme, and I can't believe it. And the people and that like,
0: people what's crazy is those were two, wait.
1: Oh yeah, they were in The college. guy,
0: the guy was a was a was a attorney,
1: and she was on like a board in her county. Though she was just as just as <laughs> my point being that the people that I've seen turning that into a joke are white people, and I am disgusted mm. by. Them. They were pointing. Um, thanks for sending me all this stuff, by the way. They were pointing guns at black protesters. So you making the, is what they did into a meme or a joke for me tells me that you really don't value Black lives because that's not funny. It's really not funny. She had her finger on the trigger. It's not funny. It's not like, funny. a human life lost. Like, how can that be a meme? It can't. It's not funny. It's not a joke. I can't believe people are doing that.
0: <sighs>
1: Frustrating. Definitely. Like, one. Dang, huh? I
0: said that one for me, since it just happened, is definitely one of the most frustrating ones. Jane Elliott did a beautiful exercise on the Oprah show called the Blue-Eyed, Brown-Eyed Experiment. Yeah. Now, off the Oprah show, she's done ex- a whole bunch of other experiments as well. You, if, you are, if you are a non-white person, do the experiment with your white counterparts with the white friends. If you are a white person, do this with yourself and with your white family and your friends, okay? Now, I do also want to do an honorable mention of another white person named Tim Wise. Tim Wise, the white dude, wrote this book called White Like Me. I sent you the link to his, to his, to, 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 to one of his good lectures. It's an hour long. You don't have to watch it. You can just look at who Tim Wise is and just look at the summary on 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 Goodreads. But he basically has wrote, ha, he wrote this book called White Like Me oh, years ago, and he's been talking about race and uh, criticizing white privilege and saying white privilege and racism in America. Uh. Is 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 the detriment of America, and that it is caused by white supremacy. Blatantly, he's been saying this for years. So now that's two people, all right, two people. So like when people say, "Oh well, not all white people think like," I just name only two people that I can think that, that like I know that have been doing the work specifically yeah. naming it. You know what I'm saying? Now, I'm sure that like 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 there are more, but my thing is. We need, to, we need to recognize that there's this thing that Robin D'Angelo named White Fragility, Who's another white person who wrote a really good book called White Fragility. And in that book, White Fragility basically talks about, basically it's like political correctness. You know what I'm saying? It's basically like, okay, like I have to not talk about my oppression so that I can have more opportunity which is very selfish. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So my thing is, what, something like you said earlier was very potent. You said that when I'm, when I'm living for myself, or when I'm like looking for opportunities for like myself, or when I'm just, I'm just doing things for myself, something like that. When you're just doing things for like yourself, you're not doing things for others. You're not doing things like the betterment of like the whole community. And I'm, a strong advocate for like the benefit of, of the beloved community or like the metropolitan world, the world that is encompassing of all cultures and colors and creeds. To have a better world, we have to dismantle racism and injustice and white supremacy. And so like we have to attack it head on. Um, and I think that, well, I don't think that. I know that people like Robin D'Angelo, people like Tim Wise, um, people like Jane Elliott, especially Jane Elliott, she's been going off for years, decades. Um, these individuals are white and have been doing susten- substantial work. And their work is substantial and they're not just doing it for like clout. I, like that's another right. type of like, we, we, I, I, I need to have like a whole episode just, just talking about my criticisms of Topping on the bandwagon of Black Lives Matter. Oh yeah, it's like a whole bunch of white people who are starting to say, "Oh, well, you know, I I had like a best a best friend and he was black. This 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 isn't Hey Arnold, all right? This isn't Doug. You know what I'm saying? Oh, did you? Are you there? Oh, okay. You have froze up. Um, this this, this 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 isn't Doug. You know what I'm saying? Like, you aren't Angelica. This isn't Rugrats. All right. This is bigger. You know what I'm saying? Like like, this is bigger than just you having a friend that you know is black. And it's like first of all, it's usually only like one or two, like one or two friends, like all have a black friend. That's like the most. Doesn't even make sense. That's kind of like, it's kind of like it's kind of like when you make sure that you don't have any mothers work for your company, but somebody calls you out on it. And then, and then you're like, no, but I, I love mothers. I like my mama is, 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 is a mom. What? <laughs> what? Like, that's how much, sense, that's how much sense it makes. It's like, no, it doesn't make any sense.
1: My black friend. I mean, my own white friend that I I'm in a way I grew up with her. You know, I remember talking about racism with her two years ago and she told me, and it was over a post about someone who happens to be Candace Owens who she reposted on her Facebook. And I knew she was a Republican. I've known that the entire time we've been friends. But I'll go in and say I basically called her out and I was like, hey, can you delete this? This is racist. And she pulled up, Well I can't be racist because we're friends. And she had used that excuse before, and I'll never forget. I basically told her, I was like, literally never, ever, ever use me as an excuse for your racism, ever. Don't ever, because if you say that to me, if you say you're my black friend, then that means you say that to other people as an excuse for things that you do. And a couple weeks ago, I blocked her on social media, deleted her, because I just realized like, this is... I mean, we weren't close at that point, but I was like, even having you as a person in my phone is conflicting with my, like, thoughts and morals right now. You cannot be like that. And you know what? I tweeted about it, and I was like, hey, because everybody in my high school knows who I was best friends with. I was like, you guys should all unfollow and block this person because they're racist, and I have literal evidence of that. Screenshots of conversations. And, you know, I went back to check, like, literally two days ago, and all the same people who were talking about combating racism and getting rid of those people in your life they were still following her even after having liked my tweet knowing who i was talking about and i was like i feel like some of you aren't really behind the stuff that you're saying i'm not saying that they unfollowing her is their way of doing it but the fact that you liked my tweet commented and was like oh yeah i know who you're talking about but you're still like following that person it for me it was like do you really believe the stuff that you say do you really believe that like you're doing the work to combat racism, but you're not even willing to unfollow and remove someone your, from your life that you know has been an instigator in this situation?
0: It's kind of like, it's like, that kind of reminds me of a lot of white liberals. A lot of white liberals claim to be for the cause of justice, equity, liberation, things like that. For people. And then once, once it really comes down to you seeing them on a daily basis, are you really, really reading what they, what they produce, or you really having an end of conversation with them? It's like they have the same deep, deep feelings and deep beliefs that a lot of these white conservatives have. And that they just don't want to be associated with it. They just don't want the name association. But they're okay with internally knowing that they have these prejudices. And that's not okay. That's not, that's not, that's not okay. You know what I'm saying? Now, that might be liberal, but that's not, but like, that's not, that's not gonna make, they're active bad. in activism. <laughs> <laughs> that is like, like, like a true, a true, a true activist. You know what I'm saying? Especially when you're not. You have to work harder to be to look. I'm gonna I'm gonna end here. I'm not I'm not Asian American. You know what I'm saying? I'm not Asian American, but I know that Asian Americans, like particularly like people of like from like, Filipino descent, Japanese descent, these people like suffer from like, a lot of things that I don't understand. You know what I'm saying? Now I have to study and then educate on my own plight as an African-American male and as and like. Because like the reason why I have to do that and like not depend on my own personal experiences is because I have been, I've grown up in a middle class, like lower middle class family. Most black people do not, most black people in America do not li- live in that type of family. 50, 52% of African Americans in America live below the poverty line in their respective cities and states. And so for me, like, I know that, okay, I, I grew up in like a privileged household so I know that my my experience, even as a black male, is different than how most black American men go through. and then on top of that, I'm ne- I'll never fully understand the plight of a black woman, or even like the good, the like the good or the bad about like, like a black woman. But I have to learn it and 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 study it and things like that. That's just me, particularly now that goes
1: back to us saying fighting
0: for everyone though you know but look, but look, but look, but look. so it's like so it's like, so like now so now if i wanted to advocate for asian american rights right if i like if, 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 if i if i wanted to learn so like let's say like like well actually no let me give, let me give a better example right now there are hispanics that are at the southern border that are literally living in 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 like aluminum foil like th- they're not even living in tents they're living in aluminum foil with like their families outside in the Texas heat like right now you know what i'm saying ba- getting baked up right now now they are being detained like they're being put into cages they have to eat their own feces like it's crazy right so, what's crazy is if I, if I wanted to be an advocate for them, I would have to study them. I have to have conversation, I don't have to read about them i have to I have to be educated on what's going on there and and like the best thing for me to do is to talk to people that actually are there or that were there. That's kind of like the purpose of like this podcast is like to talk to people that actually went to the protests and really and like really experienced them now. That's the same thing that like, white people have to do with black people. White people have to understand the black experience from black people. okay? Black people, white people have, to, have to listen to us, have to embrace us, have to understand what we've been going through for, 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 for 400 years. At first it was blatant chattel slavery, but now, but now yeah. we're from um, systemic racist injustices that are put into our, I mean, put into environmental justice, our housing injustice, our educational injustice, even, even, even our ownership, even, even like the grants and loans that we get for our small businesses, all that. I mean, even like redlining, even, I mean, like Mm -hmm. so many things that, I mean, we can even go as far as the new Jim Crow with like privatized prisons. Like even even like Push Out. Push Out was a book by Dr. Monique Morris where she had talked about the criminalization of black girls in grade schools and how they're like, like they're on average put put into detention centers and all that on like a higher rate than any other aspect of society or or any other person of intersectionality in like society. And that is not right. Even though black women do not commit the same you know, they're, they're not more irate than white women. They don't. They don't do more crazy, crazier things than than white girls. It's just that black girls are are looked at as more devious, more sexualized. They're looked at as more, you know, uh, you know, like monstrous and things like that. And so, because of that, they are put. So, like, anyway, we we suffer from all of that too. Now, you know, what I'm saying. And so, for, so like, the thing is. White people have the obligation, like, if you're, like, if you're really for, like, the cause of Black equity, Black excellence, like, really, like, taking out all that miseducation and really giving yourself true education on the Black experience, which is by no way, shape, or form one-dimensional, you must educate yourself on it. I think that black history must Mm be taught in school. You know what I'm saying? It must be taught not in a Eurocentric perspective. We have to teach it from a a perspective that comes from us, by us. You know what I'm saying? It has to come from a perspective of, okay, you know, I've lived this, my grandparents lived this, my great-great-grandparents lived this, and, and I'm getting a perspective of of as many other black people as I can in this in this country and say, hey, right. this is what we collectively experience. It's beauty and its flaws. You see what I'm saying? And so the thing is the problem with Fox is that it's too much, it's too much like over over oversimplification. With CNN, I think that a lot of times well, MSNBC, CS, uh CNN. A lot of times, it's too, uh, either dramatized or it's too like it's like it's it's too positive. It's not. It was. It wasn't that good. So the thing is, we have to be, we have to be honest. We have to tell the truth about the history, not not just tell the truth of the history from the perspective of, of like the winners, but from the perspective of those who are marginalized, who have been oppressed, who have been suffering from, uh, from um, systemic racism for for centuries. Now, this has been a long episode. The Why You Protest podcast. Um, I'll probably put it in two, in two parts, cause it's long. Um, so, Bria is amazing. <laughs> she's a wonderful human being. She's very intelligent. You know what I mean? She, she's going to have like a very, a very successful business. Um, she's going to be successful in like, like, like the business world. Um, and I'm excited for like her growth. Bria, how, where can people find you? Uh, <laughs>
1: um, Instagram and Twitter are both Bria versus the world. That's B R I A V S
0: the world
1: and um, please w- don't
0: look T-H-E-W-O-R-D. Yes, what he said. O R L D. Damn, I didn't mess. I didn't mess up spelling. I didn't even
1: notice. So, but yeah, please don't look me up on Facebook. Don't do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, I usually do like a whole outro and all of that, but I feel like I just talked a lot. So you did. You gave it your all at the end. You hit the hammer on the head. Well, I usually say that, yo, we have, like, there's, like, three reasons why you have an obligation to protest in however way you protest. Bria protested by supporting protesters, you know what I'm saying? By literally going on the ground and giving protest packs. Most people won't even go in the vicinity of a protest most people won't even think about doing that, you know what I'm saying? So it's really the minority of individuals in America that really, that really go on the ground to protest. But anyway, um, so we have a, I'm like, I'm going by like the basis of, of Bria's definition of protesting at the beginning of, of this, of this, of this uh, po- podcast. She really gave a really in-depth understanding of what protest means, and it wasn't limited to your physical body going to a protest. So if you want to get a better understanding of what I'm talking about go to the beginning of this podcast and listen to that. Anyway, so we have three reasons why we have to protest. So like the first reason is that we have a spiritual and religious obligation to protest. And I believe that firmly when you look at so like so America claims to be a Christian nation but like if you're if you're, if you're a Christian in America um you know Jesus Christ had advocated for for people that were marginalized, his whole, his whole, his whole ministry. Jesus' whole ministry was talking to the widow, the, the blameless. I mean, the, uh, the people that were disabled, the motherless, the fatherless, the disenfranchised people, people that were marginally oppressed by the Roman government by and, and, and people that were misinterpreting scripture in order to fulfill their their governmental needs and things like that. So, like we have a spiritual obligation on like a Christian level to advocate for those that are oppressed. But also, even besides like the whole Christianity thing, us being like spirits on this earth, like others, like we we have a we we have the we have the obligation to advocate for the betterment of the treatment of pe- people of people who who have a spirit inside of them that should be treated fairly, you know what I'm saying? Um but so like first like this like a spiritual and religious obligation. Then we also have a moral obligation. So like just like our morality on this earth as human beings, we should be advocating for better treatment for everybody who is on this earth, period. So when I think about chocolate companies, when when, when, like I think about Mars and Hershey, and I think about how literally right now in Morocco and Algeria and Libya and Ghana and uh, Mozambique there are there are African children that are literally getting paid cents, not even dozens of cents, like four or five, six cents a day to to take out the cocoa out of the cocoa bean and put it in like a processor. And then like those farmers are sending it across the seas. And right now, they are being oppressed right now in Africa. Like there, there is some type of oppression that's going on in the world that you are called to advocate for, period. Like there, like, there's just too many things that's going on in the world right now. There's 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 modern day slavery right now that's that's in African countries right now that are in uh uh West west asian well, south european west asian countries right now is going on that that you can advocate for there is the treatment of african americans in america right now that, that that you can advocate for you can advocate for hispanic treatment in, in like the southern border of america right now you can even you, you can even talk about how uh in china like 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 in china they're protesting right now against the government there are so many things that you can advocate for. This podcast is about advocating and protesting uh, uh, for and about the treatment of African Americans in America through systematic racism, which is, which is from white supremacy. Um, the third and final reason why you, you, you should and you ought to protest is because of a civil obligation in America. If, if, you, live, if you live in a country I believe that you have, like, citizenship comes with a responsibility to hold whoever is, is like, your representative or whatever, to hold them accountable. But you also have to hold yourself accountable. And so you have a civil obligation, a civil duty to, to not only, like, advocate for those who are around the world who are oppressed, but more particularly, it starts on a local level. It starts mm. by you saying, okay, who are, my, who are my district officials? Who is my sheriff? You know what I'm saying? Who is my lieutenant governor? Who, like, who is my county executive? Like, ask those questions to yourself. And what I do is, I ain't gonna lie to you, my memory is not that good. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. What I am no, no, like, 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 the American school system has taught me from K through 12 to memorize stuff for the test. And then after that, I forgot, you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> to like constantly teach myself how to study in a better way for me to really stick it, to like, to like help it stick. So what I do is I I went to, I went well not Amazon, but I went to Target, which was like, I guess as bad as Amazon, like, oh well. I went to Target, I got a a whiteboard all right, I got a whiteboard, I put it on my wall and I wrote down my my representatives. And and like I'm and like I'm learning my representatives. I'm like I'm trying to hold myself accountable by reading them every single morning so that I can re- memorize, okay, who are they? And I, I already started to form relationships with these individuals because guess what? Most folk aren't doing that. It's kind of like, you know, when uh you know when like You know when like you you, like meet somebody that's very important in like your field, and you didn't really even expect to like meet them, and like you get their card or like they give you some type of contact information, and you actually you actually reach out to them. And most people don't reach out to them, but like since you reach out to them, they're like surprised. You know what I'm saying? They're like, okay, cool. Like, like how can I help you? And so like that's basically the same thing that I'm saying now, is that most people aren't gonna reach out to your Delegates, they're Re- counting on that. Delegates, because look, you're not just being an advocate for you. Like when you're doing this, Bria had, had mentioned this earlier. Like remember, like I was like, "Yo," i time I'm like being, being selfish. You were like, "No, no." Like when I'm just when I'm just doing things for me, I'm not doing things for other people. You have to think of it in like a community a, a community perspective. And I'm not trying to sound like a like a democratic socialist. I'm just saying that you. So first of all, like we have been doing this ancestry, ancestrally for hundreds of years, for centuries, Black people have been doing, have been sacrificing for the future, for decades, for for centuries. So that's just the first thing. But also, we should be looking at the future. So like we should be looking, okay, what what am I doing? What projects am am I working on today and you know this week, whatever that are going to have a substantial impact on the future for future generations. For Bria, Bria is, work, is, is doing it in the, in, the, in the field of business. You see what I'm saying? You don't have to do it in the field of political science. You can do it in like a whole different field, you know what I'm saying? But it's just that it is important to understand that not only do we have a spiritual religious obligation, not only do we have a moral obligation, but we have a civil obligation to advocate for those who are oppressed, that are marginalized, that suffer from all these intersectional and, and like intertwining um, um, issues of race, of uh, of a racial injustice and prejudice and systemic racism that have been perpetu- perpetuated in society for centuries. Um, I'm. Oh, uh, what else? would I, I want to say? Okay, yeah. So like, so like although we're like we're like exhausted and we're tired and all that, we have been oppressed for so long, and and we 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 continuously see our bodies being castrated and beaten down and hung and all that all the time on social media and on the news. We we can be excited because we know that this time period, the young people during this time period period are really making some substantial efforts. We are really pushing, we, we are really pushing the limits to how far we can go with this momentum. And we are not letting this fire go out. James Bowen wrote The Fire Next Time. People should read that book. And James Baldwin talked about this, this time period, you know, he had talked about this decades ago. And so, and James Baldwin also said, I'm gonna paraphrase, but he said that, I love this country so much that I have to critique her. So you have to, so we, we have to critique what's going on in today's society because not only will it be a better society for ourselves, but more importantly, we have to, we have to work for a better society for our, for our future, for for our um, descendants who are yet to be born, and some of them are yet to be even thought of. And so it is a pleasure to have this conversation conversation with you, Bria. I'm long-winded, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, if I was a preacher, you know what I'm saying, like, I would just be Baptist because Baptist preachers, they'd be like, I'm almost done, and they'd be like, two hours later. And so thank you so much for listening. Reach out to Bria. Tell her that like if you learn something from her, tell her that you tell her that like you have learned something from her. Uh, give her some love. Black women are the most under black women are the most disrespected, underrepresented, like just like abused, mistreated people in America, hands down, there's no question about it. So and what's crazy is they they do the best in the in the, the respective fields. But whatever. So Black black women, particularly Black educated women, are just undervalued, underappreciated. They basically get spat on by, by the system all the time. And Bria Howard is trying, well, she's not trying. She is a living testament of someone who is changing the narrative for young Black women who can come from where she came from and do, and, and do more with what she, what she knows and what she has to, to, to set a high standard for herself, to, to go against the myths and stereotypes of Black women and like how people look at Black women as entrepreneurs or whatever. She is really dedicated to the uplift of the Black community, community particularly in the field of Black business and ownership and finance and so y'all reach out to Bria and give yo, y'all don't even have to like this. Y'all don't even have to subscribe to me. I really want y'all to really just reach out to her. I'm so serious. <laughs> like if like like if you're gonna comment, comment and like tell her how much of a blessing she was for you. Okay. Give her some love for real. Because black women need love all the time. I mean she's getting love from like from like her boyfriend. You know what I'm saying? I understand that. And, I, and I'm not talking about that, that type of love. I'm talking about, you know, just like that support. And don't just do it because I'm asking you to really listen to the podcast. You don't have, you don't have to listen to like the whole thing. Just cheat and go to like one of one, like the, the, the little clips that I posted. And then just be like, okay, I, I, I like, I like listened to like this clip. And you have really said like some really, some really good points. Like I didn't know that yada, yada, yada. And like I was surprised that you said like, yada, yada. And like, thank you so much for like sharing yada, yada. Say that. All right. Tell her, please. <laughs> um, stay encouraged, keep the faith, keep striving, keep leaving yourself. If you can do anything. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't do something do something. All right. Hate just, I mean, don't hate exfoliate. You know what I'm saying? And that concludes this episode. This was definitely part two. Thank you for listening like to the, like the whole thing. If you if you like skip to the end, I don't know why you would do that, but um, you know, if you skip to the end, just know that. Bria is wonderful. Reach out to her. Look in the in the in the look in, 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 in the description. If I butchered the at name or whatever, look in the <laughs> look in the look in the description and follow her, reach out to her, DM her. Not with no crazy stuff. DM her with like some positive, you know, empowerment and encouragement and upliftment and inspiration. Um I don't even have like a quote to say because. I'm, I'm like low key out of breath. So thank y'all for listening <laughs> and catch y'all on the, on the next episode. Uh,